0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Turn it on, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Wiederer. We're going to take the North and never give it back.
2: Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from the Mullen Haw Show on 670 The Score. Dan Wiederer from the Chicago Tribune covering the Bears at Howells Hall. You can find us on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us, of course, on the 670 The Score's YouTube page. Dan a lot of news going on at Hallis Hall. Have not talked to you since yeah. the uh, preseason game in Indianapolis after a couple days in Westfield, Indiana. Let's start. We'll get to that. But I think the biggest news that people kind of curious about is what happened at practice on Tuesday because it, it signaled the return of Tremaine Edmonds, the linebacker, but the absence of Tevin Jenkins at left guard. Both are big developments.
0: The good news is Tremaine Edmonds is back on the practice field, was able to go through individual drills on Tuesday. And so that's a step in the right direction for your marquee free agent as we get closer and closer to the regular season. Beyond that, though, David, if today was an emoji, it would be the emoji with the eyeballs bulging from its head going, oh, my gosh, because you look at the offensive line right now and it is reshuffled. And we are now you know, inside of two weeks to the first meaningful practice of week one for the preparation for the game against the Packers. And you've got problems across the entire offensive line. Darnell Wright, your first-round pick, leaves practice at the end today uh, with a a noticeable limp. Matt Iberflus was unable to provide a, a real good update there, something to keep an eye on when we get back out here on Wednesday. Tevin Jenkins, still out. Going to be out probably into October, based on everything that our uh, our friend Brad Biggs has reported and everything we've been able to hear uh, in, in follow up to his initial report. Cody Whitehair having hand issues so much so to the point that he is no longer playing center in the team drills with the Bears. And Lucas Patrick was taking the center reps with the first team offense today. So all of a sudden, the no excuses tour David has yeah. some excuses, <laughs> right? It's not it's not real real fun to look at right now. And I think probably the most newsworthy part of all this is when you hear from Matty Bufloos after practice on Tuesday, he indicated that his decision, not made yet, on whether to play Justin Fields in the starting offense Saturday in the preseason finale against the Bills, will hinge on the collective health of the entire offense, which includes the offensive line, which if you're making an educated guess, you say they are – actively discussing the idea of shutting Justin down for the preseason because they can't trust who's going to be protecting him against the Bills. And now you're forfeiting an opportunity for growth, an opportunity for development, a little bit more progress as you get toward the regular season. Again, eyeball emojis popping out of the head because it it was not a good day. Uh, And you I think you David, I think you could sense kind of Matt's, um disappointment that that this is where they're at and having to make these decisions and have these discussions before the preseason finale
2: there's a lot there let's get into some follow-up natural questions then because I think number one um before we get into maybe the Tevin Jenkins situation which I think is the most serious of all of these so far yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh number one when you say Cody Whitehair uh, was we'll switched to left guard and he has had a hand injury. I want to know do you think that number one, it's related to the hand injury as much as it might be also related to the fact that if they're going to go into the season and Tevin Jenkins, a projected left guard uh, as a starter, is not going to be there, Cody Whitehair is the most obvious choice because of his experience. At that position. So, is his move to left guard more injury related or necessitated by Tevin Jenkins' absence?
0: It's a great question. And it's still a bit of a guessing game. If I'm reading between the lines of the things that Matt said today, it's that they feel like he gives them a better opportunity as a front five. Uh, to play at left guard because of the reshuffling that they're gonna have to do without without Tevin as part of their plans and so it seems like uh, it may be slightly independent of the hand injury he suffered in uh, Indianapolis um, but we'll see right like to, Lucas Patrick has to, to be able to to stay on the practice field before he's able to get on the game field before he's able to play you know five or six consecutive games um, look like we talked from late July into early August about the potential benefit of having your offensive line decided on and solidified heading into this regular season. And then now here we are a month later and we're going, whoa, you know, this thing is, is totally being reshuffled again at a time where you don't want to have to reshuffle it again because you're trying to get your offense some momentum.
2: Not to be overlooked, but the veteran who was signed to stabilize the position, Nate Davis, what is his status? Is he still under the category of ramping
0: up? Well, he was out there today and he was getting, I mean, it was a, uh, not a full intensity practice today by any means, uh, a lot of two thirds speed stuff for, for, for good portions of practice, but, but Nate Davis was able to get out there and, and run around with the ones. And so, um, you know, look like that's a guy that has missed so much time that you need to see a week or two consecutive without any missed time before you say, okay, he's fine. And he's, uh, he's in the clear. So there's just a, there's a lot, there's way too many question marks right now and not enough answers. And one of the big question marks, and I know we can get into this a little more is when exactly did this happen with tevin jenkins you know because I, I i shared this story on on wscr earlier in the week and and it still leaves me scratching my head because uh brad biggs had had called me over the weekend and said what do you remember about tevin at the crossover practices brad was taking his daughter to college and and in indianapolis i said brad tevin played really well in the two nights against the colts and and, and so much so that i asked him in his interview session after the Thursday practice, how does it feel to have your first NFL training camp where you've been able to stay on the field for all but one practice, and and and, and really kind of build some of this momentum? He said, "Yeah, it feels really good that you know, you uh, know, there's a lot here." Here's here's Tevin's answer to my question, and then we'll get into the follow-up that came came of all this today. Tevin, comparatively to the last two years, you have been pretty consistent. your camp having this much time. How you felt just having a good uninterrupted lead-in towards a regular season?
2: Uh, it's good. I mean, it's hopefully show signs of my, uh, wanting, my wanted durability of myself for the rest of the season. So as long as I'm staying out here for like right now at the training camp, hopefully this shows positive signs for the rest of the year. Paul. I think it's obvious, Dan, that you jinxed him.
0: <laughs> you know, so then David, I get, I get the call from Biggsy saying, you know, he's got Intel that not only is he injured, but he's injured in a way that's going to keep him out into the regular season. And as it turns out, I mean, this might be more than just a game or two. It might be three, four, five games that that he's going to miss. And then if you miss that much time, how much time does it take you to get your conditioning back, your strength back, your continuity back? Uh, All of a sudden, you're planning for life without Tevin Jenkins again. And and look, like we've documented it here on the podcast more than once. He's already missed 16 games in his two seasons. He's had 11 games where he's played 50% of the offensive snaps or greater. Uh, The durability and availability question is is it's i think it's firmly answered at this point unreliable and 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 you can't have an offensive lineman as a starter that that isn't on the field as often as tevin isn't on the field
2: now matt earflus is not under no obligation (laughs) to share any information in the preseason so he did say it was week to week rather than day to day which suggests it is more serious and Biggs's report was accurate adam schefter on ESPN, reported that it was strained to calves, plural. Plural. So they're both calves, and I and I do wonder because of his history with a neck injury, with a back injury, if it's somehow all related, just because because of the way the body is connected. And that is an amateur um, diagnosis, medical yeah. diagnosis. It's just speculation, pure speculation, because we're not getting any help from the Bears. The bottom line is just exactly what you said have got a formerly high draft pick playing his third position that has been unreliable because of health concerns. And now he's unreliable going into his third position because of health concerns. So I think the bears are going to have to, you know, have a contingency plan. Obviously they've already maybe begun and it is unfortunate because Tevin Jenkins represents a lot of what you like to have on your offensive line with the mentality that is more of a defensive mentality and a body that is you know, big and sturdy, and he was progressing pretty well, even to the point where when he was talking to you after the practice, <laughs> he sounded like somebody committed to making an impact this year.
0: So there's two things here, because first of all, I think we may have just stumbled into a new segment for 2023 in the regular season and given the lack of information we get inside the building about injuries we might have dr dave the go-to guy for <laughs> medical speculation and you can just rampantly speculate on all these guys because it's the only information we have to go on i say i say we just run with that and make it a thing but you know david i pressed matt directly because of the timeline of this right like that was the the weirdest thing about the call i got from bigs on on sunday is th- that conversation that we just played with Tevin happened Thursday night after the crossover practices with the Colts were done. All that the Bears did in between then and the time I had the call with Biggsy was play a preseason game that that Tevin didn't play in. So when did this happen? Ask Matt directly, when did this become an issue? It's not the Wednesday of week one. We're not going to gonna say. Uh, we're just going to leave it out there for for a, a, a wild goose chase guessing game there. And that's their prerogative. They can continue to do that. They can think that that's going to get them another win or two in the regular season. But it leaves you scratching your head on when and how did this become something for Tevin? And it's a mystery that that is is problematic given his injury history. The mentality that you talk about only goes so far as your ability to be on a football field. You know, we can get into this at the very end of the podcast, but there's another guy who wore the number 76, who's a legend for this organization, who might get into the Hall of Fame this week. Who played 203 consecutive games without missing one, regular season and postseason combined. And now we've got a guy who can't go more than three weeks without a new injury. Um, So I I, like, I just it's it's hard for me to be a subscriber to the quote unquote mentality for a guy who never plays football on. I hear you.
2: At the very least, he should have to forfeit the number. So (laughs) I think when you look at the left side of that offensive line, Braxton Jones is the De facto Iron Man, just because he's the one who isn't dealing with an injury
0: right now, as we speak. The only one of the starting five that hasn't missed time yet in camp either. So this guy's Iron Man streak continues.
2: Good for him. How about on the other side? Darnell Wright was was observed limping away from practice. A lower body injury could be an ankle. Dan, that is not good because you know what? It also suggests that Matt Eberflus probably will err on the side of caution. He won't get experience against the Bills. And he'll go into his first regular season as a rookie starter with seven preseason snaps.
0: Right. And that's the risk reward of this whole thing. And it's why, uh, you know, uh, if you go back and you listen to everything that Matt said about injuries and the decisions he's going to have to make this week, you sense the tinge of disappointment in his voice. I asked him specifically about the disappointment and he said, look, like this, this is the National Football League and these things happen all the time and you have to be flexible and adaptable and you have just have to accept them as quickly as possible and figure out what your contingency plans are and where the opportunity is for someone else. But I guarantee you that in an ideal world, they would have liked to get this first team offense this rookie right tackle a lot more work in the preseason we'll see what this looks like for darnell in the next two days he came out at the end of practice today wasn't in, in the final couple uh, drives of uh, of teamwork uh dr dave the go-to guy for medical speculation can let his uh customers know that it looked to be maybe a right ankle if you're running okay. at thing R- we'll right ankle for now yeah uh, with the way he was limping so yeah look like that's it's 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 Far from ideal to to have all of these things kind of compounding at the same time at a point where you are supposed to be building momentum and feeling really good about the progress your offense is going to take into the regular season.
2: Dr. Dave, just hopes it's not a high right ankle sprain <laughs> because those tend to be worse than lower high ankle sprains. So on the right side, we'll keep an eye on that.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check.
0: Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
2: So, how does this all factor in in your mind into how heavily they weigh whether to play Justin Fields against the Bills or not? I I know, I think
0: it's everything, honestly.
2: I I guess it has to be, and and I want to, you know, I I struggle with this, Dan, because I I look at I look at guys like Mahomes and Josh Allen, and they play, and I know their offensive line situations are different. I think Aaron Rodgers is playing in the finale and in New York for the Jets. I, I do think that Justin Fields. It would benefit everybody, wouldn't it, for him to go into the season after having thrown the ball actually past the line of scrimmage? That would be good for a quarterback that needs to take a step as a downfield passer to have that kind of experience in the preseason, even though it might be uh, against the, the Bills' second team defense. I, I I struggle with that. You want to protect him, yes, but I wonder at some point in time, you have, you know, maybe the Bears' backup offensive line, but they'll be blocking. The, the Bills back up defensive pass rushers. So you factor that in at all as well if you're Matt Eberflus.
0: Well, you have the discussions. You have them at length and you have them in detail. I, I think Justin's first ever game at Soldier Field in the preseason as a rookie was against the Bills. And remember that he missed that, that, that blitz pickup He he didn't uh, see it before the snap and he got absolutely blown up and it was like, oh my God, the rookie just took a, a massive shot because he didn't see that guy coming and blew him up. Well, what you would hate to have happen is, you know, Eviente Collins getting beat badly on a, on a rep and then your quarterback getting taken down in a way that that jeopardizes his availability for the regular season because you'd spend two months second-guessing that decision to put him behind uh, a second-unit offensive line um, because then you're also kind of disrupting everything, the entirety of of who you're putting him out there with because can, can you trust your running backs to run behind a second-unit group? Can you figure out what the, the receiving core and the tight ends are going to do? It's a complicated discussion here. Um, my sense from listening to Matt and his tone this afternoon is that that they would err on the set of caution and if they're you know three or you know two three your your offensive line starters aren't going to be able to to make it on the field saturday it probably makes the decision for you, as dissatisfying as it's going to be to them and to all of us. So, like, there will be a civic outcry this weekend if Justin Fields doesn't have any more than three preseason passes all behind the line of scrimmage, but it just is what it is. And we'll, we'll kind of have to, to, to waltz into week one um, accepting that and and hoping that <laughs> that they can get past it quickly. I do wonder if there will be a civic outcry or there are a lot of people nodding
2: their heads in agreement because what this has become is that Chicago has been one of those cities that whatever I think is in the best interest of keeping Justin Fields healthy, people tend to agree with. I think that you and I might be in the minority here and thinking that they might benefit from getting him some experience. I certainly have found that to be the case in in terms of the morning talk radio crowd and listeners. I, I don't think that there's a big... Uh, outcry or or I don't I don't know that people would would uh, think that Matt Eberflus is making a mistake. I think that's why to me that playing him against the Colts would have made sense because then you would have had the benefit or the luxury of making a cautious decision because now if you do it his you know seven snaps going into this year three, it's gonna take a while before you just regain the rhythm. It'll be a month between you know game speed snaps and I don't think that's the way you prepare for a big year
0: maybe civic is a little strong, but maybe citywide discussion because I think there is some still some scar tissue here. Now, 2019 was a whole different animal. The Bears went into that season <laughs> with Super Bowl dreams, yep. but Matt Nagy chose to not play anybody in the preseason, and then they went out and laid a turd on opening night against the Packers offensively, and the whole world said, boy, that was a group that certainly from their training camp performance it's shown that it would probably benefit from some preseason work and so there's always going to be that second guessing there's always going to be that first guessing there's always going to be that conversation on what is the, the 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 more calculated way to go about this and ultimately it's up to matt it's up to his coaching staff it's up to his general manager and they'll work through it here um but i would just say if if you've got other saturday plans go ahead and, go ahead and stick with those because you know it might be another situation like we had uh, Saturday in Indianapolis, but for some people that may be an exciting thing because uh, Justin's uh, Justin's understudies uh, certainly have created their own conversation. At this.
2: Time. Before we get on to one of those understudies, the legend of Tyson Bajan, I want to ask you one more question about the offensive line. How do you envision potentially Alex Leatherwood factoring in? And then Jatari Carter has been good on the right side at guard. Could you see him maybe getting an opportunity to shift over and play the left side if he's capable of doing that?
0: Well, Carter, day three pick out of out of Southern a year ago and has really taken advantage of the opportunities he's had in practice and uh, in, in limited periods in the game here um, to, to to really just seize his opportunity and and show that he is making progress and that he can be a reliable guy in the interior offensive line. So I've liked a lot of what I've seen in his growth uh, this summer it's certainly encouraging and, and makes you feel like you at least have a little bit of depth there. Leatherwood's a guy I can't figure out. You know, he's got first round talent. Um, the bears took a, a low risk dice roll on him last year when, when, uh, you know, final cuts came about and they were able to pick him up on waivers. And you just haven't seen anything consistently that says, man, like this guy, can revive everything and become a, a, a every week starter in this league. You'd like to, to think that's in there. He certainly has the athletic talent. There's just nothing visually that, that tells you that it's going to happen. So, um, you know, I would expect him to play, you know, <laughs> on, on Saturday against the Bills. And that'll be his opportunity to to show a little bit more and, and maybe prove a little something to the, this coaching staff.
2: On to the fun stuff. So Tyson Bajan had quite a night against the Colts in Indianapolis, very composed, very polished, completed nine of 10 passes, and looked the part and wasn't phased by anything. I've had some fun in the morning show <laughs> every day, kind of leaning into it in a big way. I, I understand the uh, limitations of, of somebody making a, a leap from Division II Shepard University to the NFL. I also think it's harmless to uh, try to look at just – what that would might represent. It is the preseason. So we've been having a a good time considering the possibilities. It also coincides with PJ Walker, not having a strong month of August and he has struggled and he struggled again against the Colts. So, so Dan, I think just before we get to what Tyson had to say after his strong showing in Indy, how do you explain to people what exactly has happened here with the quarterback depth chart with the Bears and the progress that this undrafted free agent rookie out of Shepherd University, what kind of progress he has made?
0: Well, so there's a few layers to this because there's a, a difference between, you know, in game progress that you see in preseason and, and what the role of the backup quarterback is in the modern day NFL. And we can talk about both of those things um, separately and then kind of combine them. I will say this on Saturday night, watching him lead that that 17 play, 92 yard drive, and then punctuate it with the decisive scramble and dive across the goal line. It was just fun. And I wrote it on Saturday night that as far as, you know, mid August underdog stories go, the Tyson agent stories as alluring as it gets in this league this is a, a you know like you said a division two undrafted quarterback who threw for seventeen thousand yards in college trying to prove to the nfl that he he belongs and that he should stick around for a while and when you have a moment a drive like that and you get that momentum going and you're able to have that it's it's really cool and then david it was really fun also just listening to him after the game because it was just a, a another indicator that he feels so comfortable and he just seems so steady and and like locked in the now which is, is is really cool for a guy who's who's fighting, you know, for his f- professional football career right now. So, um, to that end, you know, we can play one of one of Tyson Bajan's clips here because I I think that 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 composure was really notable both in game and and during training camp and then after the game and and he was asked after the game just just how have you shown this level of comfort given given your story? Here's what he had to say.
1: Yeah, I would say it's probably two things, um, you know, luckily, luckily enough, I was able to play a lot of football in college, be able to really get exposed to kind of all the situations that football has to offer. So I think that definitely serves a role. I've also been playing quarterback since I was six, you know, my, when my dad forced me to play. So I've been, you know, playing for a long time, got a pretty good understanding, I guess, of, you know, what needs to happen, what doesn't need to happen. Um, and then also, um... You know, the, the the mental load that, you know, it is to play quarterback in the, in the NFL, you know, it's a lot. So if you kind of let that get to you, um, you could just start to look pretty crazy out there. So I just like to keep it cool, calm and collected, you know, let all the guys in the trenches do all the crazy, dirty work. Um, and then just, you know, try to get everybody on the same page mentally so that we're able to move the ball down the field.
0: David, we great yeah. answer. No doubt. Right. And you can feel it, the confidence that he has out there. We had a chance to talk to Darnell Mooney on Tuesday afternoon. And one of the questions he was asked was just about his kind of perspective on what Tyson did, particularly on that 92 yard touchdown drive. And Mooney said that he had a headset on. And so he was able to hear the plays that were being called. And so with that, going into each snap, he had an idea where the ball was supposed to go. And he said, man, it was beautiful was the word he used to, to watch Bajan be decisive, quick, unruffled, make his reads, make his throws, kind of keep the chains moving, converts a, a third down inside the 10-yard line to Dereese Fountain, uh, keeps that, that drive going along. And so so he, he's got everyone's attention. You know, he's got the coach's attention. He's got the front office's attention. He's got his teammates' attention. And, and, and to your point, it's just cool. It's cool when you have one of these moments where a guy steps up and meets that moment and then, from there, we have to kind of responsibly interpret what it means.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think when you say attention, I think it's, it means uh, respect. And When you are able to execute the, the play call and do the things he does and process things as quickly as he has, if Darnell Mooney, a veteran, is listening on the headset, I think he's probably gaining respect for this, how far this kid has come in, in such a short period of time and made that leap. I, I don't think – The reason I I think I give it a little bit more credence than maybe some some other underdog-type stories is that this is somebody who's played at Division two level. He was invited to the Combine. He also had opportunities that he turned down to play Big Ten football. I mean, Maryland, Northwestern were two of the programs uh, that, that offered him opportunities. The reason he turned them down was because his college credits wouldn't necessarily have transferred, and he wanted to graduate. I give him a lot of credit for wanting to take his academic uh, objective seriously enough to to graduate. He's not going to be phased by much. He looks like he has played quarterback all his life. And if his dad forced him to play <laughs> when he was younger, who's going to argue with him? Travis Bajan is a world champion arm wrestler. I think 17 with the right arm, 11 with the <laughs> left, or vice versa. This is a character. It's a great story to have some fun with, Dan. I do wonder... I do wonder about if the Bears are going to get to the point where if he has a third straight strong game, are they weighing a roster spot, a 53rd spot on the roster with a third quarterback or uh, an extra linebacker, offensive lineman, cornerback? Or you know how it works with special teams being factored in. I'm not suggesting that he should be the backup, even as, as P.J. Walker struggles. But I do wonder if he's played well enough to earn a spot on that roster.
0: Well, yeah, and we can get into a little bit more of that in a second. I think when you talk about the attention and the respect that he has garnered in here, it was backed up by what Matt Ibriflu said post-game on Saturday night and saying – our mind is open. You know, we haven't solidified anything in terms of what our quarterback depth chart fully looks like going into the regular season. Because if you do that too early, then you close your mind to a guy that is rising or, or a guy that shows you potential. And, and they want to remain open-minded with that. So that was refreshing to hear from the coach that, that they're going to give him every opportunity to state his case. That was one of the questions I asked him post-game is what exactly he's trying to show this coaching staff. also asked him what it's been like, you know, since May to, to come into the league as an undrafted rookie and try to, to climb this climb. And what's this experience been like when you get to a preseason game in mid-August and now all of Chicago's social media is talking about you? Here was what Tyson Bajan had to say to those two things.
1: Yeah, I think it's everything that I had planned for myself. But then again, every day has been nothing short of amazing. I kind of catch myself uh, pre-practice, pre-game, pre-walkthrough, just kind of looking around, uh, looking at certain individuals and just kind of pinching myself with just how amazed I am that I am where I am and just how thankful and blessed that I feel. You know, as a quarterback, I really just would like them to know that I would just like to make them as comfortable as possible with the with the, with the thought of me in the game. Just really have them understand that, you know, any play that needs to be run, you know, I at least know how to run it. You know, every play is not going to be perfect, but, you know, I know how to run every play in the playbook. And um, that's kind of where I'm at, just kind of working tirelessly. I know opportunities will present themselves, so I just try to be um, as ready as I can for those opportunities.
2: How do you think that playing for or with Luke Getzey at the Senior Bowl either eased to any anxiety he might have had about entering an NFL camp or has helped him process that information that he might have been verbiage he was familiar with back then? Or do you think that has played a role, or is he just a guy that was ready for this challenge?
0: Well, I think it's both, but we'll get to talk to Luke on Wednesday, and obviously this will be the first chance since the game to kind of drilled down with him on, on what it was in mobile that turned his head, because obviously his input was part of the bears decision to sign him as a UDFA after the draft ended. And and you understand that there was a, a an instant comfort there in those answers that we just played. You can understand why the bears would be, you know, a, you know, drawn to Tyson Bajan and his mindset and and you just you just feel that that calm confidence in the way he talks about it. Then you see him operate it on a football field and you go, man, like this is probably something worth taking a longer longer look at. So we'll get Luke's take on Wednesday and, and report back on, on kind of where, where he sees that whole saga heading. Um, but to you, to your previous question about what does this do now, now you got to make some decisions and mm-hmm. the 53 man roster gets complicated for a lot of different reasons. Like we just talked about Tevin Jenkins in the outset. If Tevin Jenkins is going to be out for a month and a half, you may have to put him on IR when the regular season begins. Well, to do that, you're going to also have to get his replacement on the 53-man roster so that you have a spot there for him. And then you're going to then have to carry him into the initial 53 and then put him on IR a day later. You know, So, so that, that, that takes up a spot on your initial 53. There's a bunch of these decisions that, that come across Ryan Poles' desk in the next week that he's going to have to figure out the numbers game on all this. P.J. Walker has not been impressive in preseason game action has not had a great training camp has, has struggled a little bit. The bears gave him more than $2 million guaranteed on a two year, four point, whatever it was, $1 million deal to come here in the spring. And so cutting that loose would be, you know, taking a a loss on, on the money you spent on him. It would be taking a loss on your judgment of what you thought could be a reliable veteran backup for Justin Fields. At the same time, I think there's also value. And this is what I talked about earlier, that, that in this league, A big part of the pie chart for a backup quarterback is how much of a resource can you be to the starter when the starter is healthy and starting. That's a great point.
2: That's one of the best points you've made this week. I'm sorry. Go ahead, because I think that is what you can't lose sight of when you're debating whether or not P.J. Walker belongs on this team.
0: It won't surprise you where I got my greatest education on this from. It's from uh, Josh McCown, who obviously spent a lot of time in the league understanding how to be a resource To number one quarterbacks. You know, the guy was a backup forever because he was good at saying, hey, Sam Darnold, hey, Jay Cutler, hey, who, you know, the the number of guys that that, that Josh worked with was incredible, but what, what do you need from me? What assignments in a given game week do you want me to tackle for you so that I can go study that tape and give you the information? What exactly do you, you, how do you like your information? How, how can I help you? What about the understanding of the offense that I have that I can give to you that then does it? There's a lot that goes into that. And I think the, uh, you know, it's easy to overlook that and think like, okay, if our starter gets hurt, who do we want on the field first? Well, ideally your starter plays 15, 16, 17 games. And it's just a, A cameo for your backup and the rest of it is is how can this guy be a resource to your starter so that's where pj walker's advantage comes in where he has a little bit of an inside track he's got six years of nfl experience he has started in this league he has won in this league he's beat tom brady as recently as a year ago you know so he uh, there are things that that The coaching staff will be drawn to but at the same time they've got to make a decision here on 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 how do they want this to look i also and i'll turn this over to you in a second but i also think that there was a kind of a a flare-up on social media on saturday night and sunday that it's inconceivable that the bears could cut Tyson Bajan and get him through waivers and put him on their practice squad. Well, th- that is a very realistic possibility for how this story ends next week, that it, that is indeed where he lands and that, that he will still be in the building. But as a practice squad member, as he continues to develop and grow, and it's not this super long shot that, that all of a sudden uh, the rest of the league is so enamored by one 92 yard touchdown drive against a, a backup Colts defense in Indiana Saturday in August suddenly has the league gaga for a guy that all, you know, all 32 teams passed over when draft weekend. here.
2: I, I understand and respect where you're coming from. And I think that's probably, you know, the, the odds on favorite way that it would go that I don't think teams necessarily would uh, be so inclined to, to, you know, poach him off the practice squad by the same token like for instance Dave Wonstead, uh I who still talks to a lot of people in the league he was on the Mullenhaw show Tuesday morning and he was worried about that happening and he thought that would that would be one of the reasons why he would you know lean toward putting him on the 53 man roster because we went through the depth chart and I went out to ourlads.com and I'm looking <laughs> at all three you know, quarterbacks on every NFL team. And I'm thinking, okay, well, what about the Jaguars here? What about, oh boy, could you see the Chiefs coming in and taking another quarterback away from the Bears and and all sorts of teams that maybe not, aren't settled with their third quarterback. And Dan, the only reason I think that might be a little bit different this year is right. that the, role, the Brock Purdy rule in that, or the 49er rule, where if you have three guys active, three quarterbacks on your 53 on roster, All three can dress on game day without the third adding to your 46-man active, uh, 45, 46 men who are active. And I think that, to me, makes me wonder if teams will be more likely to keep three quarterbacks. And if that's the case and you're the Bears, maybe you don't want to let them go. I'm not, you know, pounding my fist on the table and saying you've got to do this or else you're going to rue the day you let Tyson Bajan leave town but i also think that i'm not naive it's it's got to be part of the conversation because you do have somebody that has surprised you more and, and by by definite by definition you didn't expect to have this dilemma tyson Bajant or an extra cornerback or an extra offensive lineman the equations that go into roster math are difficult and tricky and never the same two years in a row and this one certainly well challenge Ryan Poles.
0: Well well two things here. Those discussions have to be had. But first and foremost, like no one is going to claim an undrafted rookie that spent the last five months with another team to be their QB two. Going into the regular season, that there's right. just no way that's happening. So any any claim that would be made on Tyson Bagent would be to make him your number three. Well, now you're using a, a valuable roster spot at this time of year to try to get yourself a number three quarterback. About that third quarterback rule that came up, I had an exec tell me uh, earlier in the week that he expects that rule to have more of an impact when we get later in the season, when there are games of of, of greater significance and magnitude for teams that are in contention for for division championships, and obviously when we get into the play playoffs where then you start to think about okay who's the third quarterback we want on our active roster in case we get that worst case scenario like the 49ers had last January um, but you know for years no one's even thought twice about that until it came up in the playoffs last year and most teams aren't going to think twice about that again until they're going into a game that has such a crazy magnitude that the thought of having to put back in your injured starter to hand off like the 49ers had to do last year becomes a little bit um, unnerving and, and crazy. So it would be interesting that, you know, these conversations, there's a lot of gambling that you have to do, and it's all calcul- calculated gambling when you're doing your initial 53 and then figuring out who can we fit through to the practice squad and then who can we claim and how do we readjust all these things. Um, but I think an educated guess is that it would be very easy for the Bears to get Baygent through to the practice squad, and at that point, Hopefully everyone in House Hall, everyone in the city of Chicago breathes a sigh of relief and says, OK, now let's see where the development of this kid can go, because I think the whole world is in agreement that he's shown enough here uh, recently to deserve a longer look. And it would be fun for him to get that longer look here.
2: No doubt about it. Well said. The last point I would have on Beijing before we move on to close things up is that I think this you have to be disciplined enough or understand this has nothing to do with Justin Fields. Right, you can have uh, you know our thoughts and opinions and projections and and do everything we just did in terms of evaluating the pros and cons and looking at the realities of roster math, and it really isn't related to how much you believe or don't believe in Justin Fields. It's totally unrelated, and and I think maybe it's it, it's only even indirectly related to why uh, the fact that P.J. Walker has struggled. There certainly is a door open a crack, and Matt Eberflus acknowledged that. But I just think that we we have gone through this before. Maybe not to the extent that Bajan, but this makes me think of Dan Lefever. This makes me think of you know uh, the other guys who have come through Nathan Enderling or
0: Enderley, yeah, yeah, Enderly. Uh, I mean, th- there have been what about different- Caleb Haney in the way Caleb, Caleb Haney played in an NFC Championship game?
2: Caleb Haney. you know, I can remember documenting Caleb Haney well in the in that era. So this is not necessarily a new phenomenon. But it's also one that you can't ignore, and we're not trying to overstate it, but you can't possibly – Look past it because it has been one of the bigger stories of the Bears' preseason. And
0: I, like I, I, don't want to do much pushing back on the excitement that Tyson Bajan has created because again, when you have one of these fun underdog stories and the kid is living in it in the moment, the way he has been, it's it's fun, you know. And you don't want to pee in the Kool Aid, <laughs> you know. And so let's see where it goes. And and he's obviously going to get more time in some way, shape, or form against the Bills on Saturday in Chicago at Soldier Field, and it'll give us another little chapter to get a feel for for what he's doing. I think he's got two incompletions in his two preseason games, at the same time he's played four series. And now now it's time to go get a little bit more work and build that resume, build that library, and see where you can take this thing.
2: So last couple of things, first of all, I want to get to what you did earlier this week when you got back from Indianapolis, but I want to talk about you being in Indianapolis, thrilled to know (laughs) that you found the Hoosier hospitality so amenable. And look, I'm an Indiana native. I get a lot of uh, uh, good natured ribbing, some maybe not so good natured at times, but I'm proud to be from Indiana. My brother has lived in Carmel, Indiana, For the better part of 30 years, it's a tremendous place to live. Uh, Indianapolis is one of my favorite cities because I grew up in small town USA in the northwest part of the state. But I am glad to hear that you had such a good time in, uh, in Carmel, in Westfield, and in Indy
0: full disclosure, I went in fully ignorant about where I was headed. You know, I knew we were going to be out in the Indianapolis suburbs and I I knew little more than that. I I expected sort of a a rural, uh, smaller suburb, you know, to to be walking into. Uh, It's not what I walked into in Carmel and it was like really cool to, to go through the downtown there, the city center there, some of the surrounding areas and see the volume of restaurants that were really cool and full of people and served good food and weren't chains and it was just like okay this is there's a vibe here we went out to a reunion dinner on friday night with our old friend rich campbell uh, a bunch of people that used to be on the beat with rich to the sun king brewery and had had a, a oh, few drinks choice. That, great, choice. great there, choice i had a tray of nachos from the, <laughs> the nacho place there that was top notch you know and so you're like okay this is there's there's a buzzer you walk down the street there's three other cool places you go here it was just the the, the magnitude of the cool places and the the, the size and the, the scale of everything it blew my mind because i went in like i said completely completely blind and completely ignorant. And then on on Saturday before the game, I go for a run on the, I don't know if it's pronounced Monon Greenway or Monon Greenway, I mean that's pretty cool too. And everywhere I ran, there were people, and there was energy, and there was a vibe. And I was just like, man, this is like, I don't know. It was just, it was fun for me. And uh, Mark Potash had one of the best tweets when I tweeted out my my praise of of Carmel, Indiana. He said, "Oh, good, you finally like something or something to that <laughs> to, to that extent." So, so that was well played by Mark. It's why he's a first ballot Twitter Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um. And yes, I I, I can be happy, Chicago. And and there are certain things that make me happy. What didn't make me happy was my golf score on Friday. With rich i uh lost everything the entire part of my entire game came unraveled in front of uh in front of my old beat colleague and it was a, a disaster.
2: Well, that's good yeah nice weather uh indy's a great place my son went to butler so i'm well familiar with the broad ripple area as well and it's just yeah, recommended it for people if they it's it's different it's it's just uh very comfortable and, and the cost of living, you can't beat. So yeah, that's the following was brought. The preceding was brought to you by the uh, Marion County chamber of commerce. I
0: signed up for, for the the tourism bureau in Carmel and I will be back there in uh, 2024 because the bears play at the Colts next season. So let's go back down and we'll, we'll see what we can make. Gotta love it. Maybe I can make that one. There you go.
2: And then when you did get back from your vacation in Indy, it seemed like you were gone forever. Um, You had a pretty meaningful visit this week with Steve McMichael. I know that we're waiting like a lot of people in Chicago for news about his Hall of Fame uh, possibilities, and, and that's going to be coming down anytime now. And and he just remains an inspiration with ALS. Uh, you got uh, through to him. You communicated with him. What can you say about what you were able to uh, talk about with Steve McMichael?
0: Yeah, Dave, I, I've got like goosebumps on my arm and a little bit of a lump in my throat because – it's a really difficult thing to process, you know, just just how a, a, a guy who was such a, a massive personality, a huge human being with that huge voice and that that booming laugh, is now, you know, bedridden and incapacitated and and just fighting this this brutal, cruel fight with ALS. But but you you have these moments. Um, just standing by his bedside, where you know he gets excited and he bugs those eyes out and raises his eyebrows at something you said, and he he, he gives the, the you know the smile that he can give right now, and 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 you just feel the spirit still in there. You know, and it's really hard to process. I had a conversation this morning with Dan Hampton about it, who's obviously been his close friend for more than forty years, and just how how difficult it is to process that 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 this this guy that that whose presence was everything is now relegated to to, to this fight that he's had to fight. I, I had a good talk with Misty, his wife. She is so enlivened by this Hall of Fame bid that they've been on this summer and believes that that just the hope that it's provided has given him vitality and vigor in a way that wasn't there. Um, and so hopefully when, when the senior committee finishes up, you know, it's Tuesday afternoon right now and they finish their deliberation and they choose up to three senior finalists for the class 2024, that Steve McMichael's name is on that list. Because if it is, he just needs an 80% vote of the 50-member the committee in January and he will be part of of the induction and enshrinement ceremony in august of 2024 and it would be just a really really cool exclamation point and just a a welcome moment for a guy who's been forced to endure this i mean it's just it's unfathomable and i tweeted out a picture of me with Stephen misty and you, you see the physical shape he's in and and it's just again it's unfathomable and yet You know, mentally, he's still in there. He's using his eye gaze device, David, now to learn how to, I'll give you a couple quick stories on that because he's learning how to, how to, how to talk with the eye gaze device by spelling out words or choosing pre-planned phrases. And I was talking a little bit about how one of the things that impresses me most about his career resume is the fact that he played, as I mentioned earlier, 203 consecutive games without missing a game, you know? And as I was talking about this, he chimed in through the computer and said, I'm tough. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's really cool to hear that come through and you're like, yeah, hell yeah, you're tough. And then Misty shared a, 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 a s- s- said that he's getting a little bold with the eye gaze, eye gaze device. And and sometimes, you know, when he needs something, he'll tell them when he needs to roll over or when he needs to be adjusted. And she said, sometimes it's ice cream, Coca-Cola, ass on fire. And she said, she said, I have to say, slow down, slow down one thing at a time. I can only handle one thing at a time here. So he has needs. He still has that sense of humor. And I think all of Chicago is hoping that that the news is good news when it becomes official on Wednesday, uh, that he will be a hall of famer. He'd be the fourth member of that 85 defense uh, following Mike Singletary, Dan Hampton, and Richard Dent. That'd be a really cool accomplishment for a guy that they all really, really admired and appreciated.
2: Every bit as deserving as any of them too, just because of what he meant to that defense and, and what his spirit now means to the city. That's well put. And I think people can see that photo on your Twitter feed. Maybe Adam can tweet it out on the take the North podcast at take the North pod Later today, because it was pretty cool. And to see, you know, you're right. Misty has just been terrific. And and the whole way that you know, the Bears fans and, and the Bears media and a lot of people, just the entire city of Chicago have gotten behind uh, Mongo's cause has is, is been inspiring. So well done. Nice job. And uh, yeah, let's hope that. And if, happens.
0: if he gets in, she's already doing the research to try to figure out how to get an ambulance, to get him to a medical airplane, to get him to Canton next August. And that would be one of the cooler moments in, in wow. Chicago Bears history if all that stuff was able to come to fruition. That would be cool. So cool. All right. Anything else that
2: we've overlooked? We covered a lot of ground.
0: Two last things really quickly. Matt Forte, former Bears running back, out at practice on Tuesday. Really cool to see him back by the field, was able to meet with some of the running backs, as well as wide receiver Donnell Mooney, a fellow two-lane guy. They've got a relationship that goes back, so so good to see Forte back on campus. Colleen Kane, my colleague at the Tribune, also did a lengthy sit-down while we were in Indianapolis with Matt Eberflus dialing into kind of his vision, his philosophies, his outlook for 2023. That's a must-read at chicagotribune.com. Great job by Colleen of getting the coach to to open up and, and give her a lot. The thoughts
2: nice job by, by Colleen yeah that that was a uh, entertaining and, and I think uh, she did a nice job that would be good we should have her on sometime to talk about that or just talk about anything you know it'd be good to uh, to catch, catch up with her she does a good job on the beat no doubt about it all right so we will be back later this week I am going to Vegas I'm not sure how <laughs> I will figure that out but we will figure out a way um, I am going with a lot of the score uh, personnel the midday show Dan Lawrence and Layla uh, are going to Vegas. We're leaving Wednesday afternoon. We're going to do shows there Thursday and Friday. I'm doing the afternoon show with Danny Parkins. Uh, and I think Speaks is filling in for me in the morning on Thursday. And and Mully is not going to Vegas, but we're all going and it's going to be a great, uh, great time. At, we're staying at Circa uh, Circa resort and casino in Las Vegas sponsors everything at the score. <laughs> um, it's a tremendous facility with went there last year had a blast and going back this year mitch rosen is leading the crew he's got the itinerary i think it's like seven pages long um so i think we have covered every detail but dan i will be in vegas we'll try to connect later this week you may be back on the pod if there's news that warns before that with no uh, you know a co-host to be named later <laughs> we'll figure it all out you can find us right here at take the north pod on twitter and wherever you get your podcast on the free odyssey app and also on the Six Seventy scores youtube page if you're going to
0: spend your entire day in that stadium swim part of circa make sure to put on sunscreen and hope that there's a, a couple good games and i was there when the bears played there in 21 uh for, for a college football saturday afternoon out there and that, that was pretty cool to to have your your pick of of anything you wanted to watch in, in that environment i know you'll uh, you'll enjoy that
2: i think it took my skin in, in a month to <laughs> not to come out of its prune like shape after being in the pool last August. That was quite a day. It was quite a trip. Looking forward to that. So anyway, we covered a lot of ground. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast. We'll be back uh, later this week and look forward to talking more Bears before the final game of the preseason against the Buffalo Bills, Saturday noon at Soldier Field. For Adam Szynski and Dan Weider, I'm David Haw from the Take the North podcast. We'll talk to you next time.
0: Great talk. See you out there.